0: It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment right. It's time to get locked and loaded with two full hours of Gun Sports Radio. Your hosts Dave Stahl, Lance Pelkey and Michael Schwartz will teach you anything and everything there is to know about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your American right to own and bear arms. Visit GunSportsRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor and or guest of the show. Now, here's your hosts, Dave, Lance, and Michael. All right, folks, welcome back.
1: You're listening to Gun Sports Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. All right, by the way, we are now Facebook
2: Live. woo And how do you get there, Michael? Go to Facebook.com slash SDCGO, or just do a search for San Diego County Gun Owners. Go to our Facebook page, and you're going to see our bright, shiny, smiling, half-masked face. Yeah, we all got on. That's pretty good. All right. Hey, folks,
1: look, by the way, and look for our shows on your favorite podcast platform. It's super, super simple at GunSportsRadio.com. That's GunSportsRadio.com. And please remember, we're a two-hour show now. So at 5 o'clock, don't get off that chair or stop that car. Take a listen. This segment is brought to you by Firearms Legal Protection. Uh, They are very, very good friends of ours, and they are the best legal protection for self-defense. Check them out at their website (laughs) at firearmslegal.com. That's firearmslegal.com. Also, Cali Key. California's assault weapon law makes it almost impossible to own an AR pattern rifle. What's the solution? Cali Key. It'll convert any mill spec direct impingement AR pattern rifle into a straight pull bolt action rifle so it can have all the features without being considered an assault weapon. It's a true drop-in solution, no milling, no aesthetic modifications, and no turning off your gas system. Keeps your entire AR collection intact at a price you can afford with Kali Key. Check out calikey Key at CaliKey.com. That's K-A-L-I-K-E-Y dot com. All right, gentlemen. See, we're all wearing our
2: masks. We're happy to see that. Here we are. But we were robbed this week. Yeah, we're wearing the masks, but we were the ones that were robbed. You were robbed? Yeah, what does that mean? I don't know. What does that mean? So Thursday... I know, I know. You know? I know. (laughs) Joe's got his hand over there. So you want to start, Joe? (laughs) Tell him what happened. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You're you're on. So Thursday, um, you know, there was this big case after the ammo uh, registration thing went... Um, And uh, uh, basically, Kim Rohde, who's an Olympic athlete, uh, she's one of the most successful Olympic athletes ever, uh, decided that, hey, um, I don't think that this ammo registration law is uh, legit. I don't think it's constitutional, and it it certainly infringes on my Second Amendment rights. So she lawyered up and sued, and uh, a couple other folks, a couple other plaintiffs jumped on the case. And um, what happened was... uh, thursday the judge uh gave his written ruling and said yeah this this the ammo registration and specifically we're talking about prop 63 where they said you have to go through a background check to get ammo uh they decided that yeah that is definitely unconstitutional but it wasn't just the decision it was a 120 page scathing uh uh scathing uh um opinion that was really well written and good yeah, exactly. It was extremely, I mean, scathing is, it, it just destroyed it. I mean, it just absolutely destroyed uh, the, the the ammo law. It destroyed the, uh, um, uh, uh, what the, a lot of the gun laws, really. I mean, he really just went after it. It was really, really well done. So, in effect, what it did is it completely eliminated the ammo register or the ammo background check law and said, yep, we're putting an injunction on this. So for Thursday night and all of Friday, people could buy ammunition without going through a background check. People could uh, buy ammunition online uh, without uh, having to get it shipped to a uh, dealer and uh, people could, uh, uh, you know, experience what they call freedom. Late, so everybody jumped on this. I was on KUSI talking about it. We put out an explanation. We did some writing about it. Everybody talked about this. And the intention was that hey, we got to get this information out so that people can capitalize on it, so people can buy ammunition quickly. Because we knew that it wasn't going to last forever. We knew that there was a real chance that the Ninth Circuit was going to um, uh, was going to uh, you know put a stay on the uh, on the injunction. And they asked him to stay his own decision, the judge and Benitez said, "Nope, I'm not doing that." And that was on Friday. And so we thought, "All right, well, that's even better news." And then the most amazing thing I've ever seen in uh, in my uh, you know in my lifetime happened. Uh, as At as least you know when it comes to legal decisions and that sort of thing, uh, the Ninth Circuit Court, which moves like molasses, uh, uh, you know. It moves at a, a glacier, a glacial pace. Um, somehow got it together, and within just over about 24 hours, at 10 p.m. on Friday night, the Ninth Circuit Court stayed the injunction. Uh, unbelievable! I've never seen uh, you know paperwork like that filed on uh, a Friday night at uh, 10 p.m. But we figured we at least had the uh, weekend. We figured probably, I don't know, I I was kind of figuring we'd have maybe a week or half a week or something like that. Um, But uh, I never anticipated they were going to pull this together at 10 o'clock on a Friday night. Um, But that's what they did. So uh, unfortunately, there was a short-lived piece of freedom. We didn't get another freedom week. We got a freedom, uh, you know, 27 hours or something like that. So uh, that's what happened. So now we're back to background check. Um, uh, for ammo and uh, hey Michael and- did,
3: the, um, did the judge say why he didn't want to stay his own uh, injunction because this, this is the same kind of thing that happened with the magazine band right and I thought he decided to stay his own injunction back then to give him a little more control over it so that the things that you bought during that freedom mm-hmm. week were actually stayed legal and you could keep them
2: I, you know, I, I didn't delve deep into why he didn't want to stay his own ex, ex, uh, his own uh, injunction. I don't even I don't think he anticipated that it was going to be this uh, quick. I don't think anybody thought that the. Uh, I, I also think that the reason he did his own uh, he stayed his own ex, uh, injunction on the uh, ammunition or on the uh, magazine ban was. Uh, because he could see the writing on the wall. He thought, you know what, let's get as many of these things in as possible. Let's, let's stretch this out as possible. And also, if he stayed his own uh, injunction with the magazine ban, uh, he had more control over it. So he was able to allow people to continue to um, uh, uh, you know, keep their magazines that they bought during Freedom Week. And this really wasn't that. There wasn't really that same kind of opportunity and, that, and that's not something I read. Or I, that's, that's just my personal opinion. Um, I think he felt that, uh, you know, that uh, it just wasn't that same opportunity. There weren't people that, were, you know, had, had bought a magazine and there was a question on whether or not they could keep it. It wasn't quite the same situation.
3: Okay. You know, it's kind of ironic this time, too, because this – Happened to you know this this whole thing came out when uh, in the middle of this you know COVID nineteen panic, and um, you know when people were buying a ton of ammunition and uh, guns and things all across the country. So if you went to look like on Thursday when this uh, injunction happened, if you went to look online, uh, like I used to buy from bulk ammo, I think in Tennessee, and some of those places you look and they're they're. Selection was uh, a little bit more depleted yeah. than it usually is, and some people were saying the prices were higher, which I, I don't—I didn't notice that, but I know I talked to other people that said that was going on too. So it's kind of ironic that that all happened all together. I, I didn't see any—I personally
2: didn't see any gouging. I mean, I am almost high right now because there is such a demand. Um,
3: you know, countrywide. Yeah, and I think that's what they were saying. They weren't necessarily implying gouging. They were just saying prices were high anyway. You didn't see the deals that you might normally see there.
2: Like how much? Like how
3: much do you normally expect to pay for for nine millimeter, Joe? Brand new. You know, <laughs> it's a bad question because I reload my nine. But the um, the other stuff, you know, I'll buy a thousand rounds. And um, you know, for like the forty five caliber, the or the, um, the uh, thirty eight special stuff that I buy, you know, if I spend. Uh, I don't know, a couple, what is it, like $230, something like that for a 1,000 rounds? It seems like that's about what I usually end up paying. Uh, so that's what I think. You know, somewhere in the mid-20s to $0.30 cents a round
2: is, is kind of what I'm usually used to mm-hmm. for 9 millimeter. And I, I'm seeing more like $0.40. Cents. <laughs> okay, yeah, you know? so, yeah. So, it's, I don't, uh, gouging, I don't think that's the case, but it's, they're definitely is a huge supply but uh, unfortunately we're back to ammo tra- and it was a scramble man trying to get the information out and then you know he rejected his own uh, stay and and then he you know the ninth circuit stayed his injunction and that all happened in one I mean it was crazy yeah so kim did a great job i really appreciated kim rody thank you so much for uh, for doing doing what you did there in court uh, ho- hopefully this will uh, resolve successfully but unfortunately we didn't get what we wanted this time
1: Yeah, but there's always next time.
2: It's always next year.
1: Yeah. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and we come back a whole lot more right here on Gun Sports Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back. You are listening to Gun Sports Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, what's the best defense for self-defense in those horrible, horrible new red flag laws? Firearms Legal Protection. Mike Lanson, Joe, and I use them. Firearms Legal Protection is a legal defense program for lawful gun ownership with a 24-7 emergency hotline and plans designed specifically for the firearms owner. Talk to the good folks at Firearms Legal Protection today. That's Firearms Legal Protection at FirearmsLegal.com. Or call them at 469-310-9100. 469-310-9100. That's FirearmsLegal.com. Remember, gun owners be ready with a lawyer in your corner. Hey, the refi bell has been ringing like crazy. Home mortgage interest rates have dropped to a historic low. And if you're looking to buy or refi, Or if you're considering reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. That would be Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage for nearly 25 years. Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all of their mortgage needs. Give Chris a call at 619-722-1303 or primeres.com backslash Alpine.
2: All right. Do we have our special guest on the line? We sure do. And who might that be? Awesome. We have uh, a congressional candidate this week, and we're going to spend a couple of segments with him. His name is Amar Campo-Najjar, and uh, he's somebody I've met a couple of times and have been uh, had fantastic conversations with him, invited him to come on after he made it through the primary in March to talk about himself, talk about his race, and talk a little bit about the Second Amendment. Amar, are you there?
4: Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. And we definitely have had not just good conversations, but pretty good cigars together. So We had fantastic we to cigars. together. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. A couple of cigars, a couple of drinks, and a lot of good conversation. I appreciate that very much. I can't tell you uh, how much I appreciate you coming on the show. And I look forward to okay. uh, talking uh, about guns and, and, and all kinds of cool stuff. But let's start out with you. Tell people about uh, how you grew up, where you grew up, your history in the district. Let's start there.
4: Yeah, you know, every single candidate tries to tell people that they were they built themselves, you know. We're all God's gift to mankind. But for me, um, except for a few things, pretty ordinary life. You know, I was born and raised in East County, uh, and I was about. So my mom pretty much raised me on her own. Uh, through being broken, brokenhearted. Not not a unique story. I'm sure many listeners have that similar story, you know, coming up with a single parent. Um, and my mom just worked her tail off for me. Uh, she never took unemployment. She never took food stamps, nothing. She was just a stubborn Mexican-American woman who wanted to just make it. Um, my grandparents on her side came here legally to the, the country, through Mexico, um, back when it was... A, encouraged to do so legally and be a little easier than today. Um, and it was my grandmother and my mom who pretty much raised me. Uh, so
2: and you, were, you were born and raised in the district. You did spend some time overseas, though. This part of your story sure. was fascinating to me. You went and yeah, lived I with mean, your biological
4: dad at age. Well, we, me, my mom, and my brother went to. My mom's like, you know, you need to know your father. There's this, this god-sized hole in every man when you don't have a father figure, a male role model in your life. Um, and it was tough for me growing up, not knowing who my dad was. So in 1998, me, my mom, and my brother went to go see my, my my father. My father uh, studied here in San Diego. He met my mom at a – she was a banker, and he was, like, writing her stick notes, love notes, which was sweet back then, but today would require a restraining order. <laughs> and um, – you know they found love, they found love, and then my dad felt you know a calling to go back to his country of origin. he became a citizen uh, under Reagan then went back to uh Gaza and you know we went they went, went to Gaza outside
2: of Israel, which is yeah. that's a pretty right. i mean it's not like you know hey, you moved to you know uh, you know uh, Oklahoma or Kansas Florida. I mean right. Gaza's a pretty right. especially in the this would have been the early nineties.
4: Yeah, early 90s. So right before there was a conflict, it was pretty peaceful at that time. There was a ceasefire between the Palestinians and Israelis, and it was a peaceful time. A hopeful time for both people, um, and so I went there. The public schools there are garbage because they're underfunded. So my parents put me into a private Catholic school, um, which was a big mistake for my dad because it's why I became Christian. Um, and well, your your you dad know, was not Christian. Is that is that right? No, saying? my dad was Muslim. My mom's Catholic, and they put me in a Catholic school. So obviously. That faith went out. Well, Muslims and, and Catholics
2: get along, right? Isn't that what I've always heard? That.
4: Oh, I, I mean, in that part, it's a little of the bit of a joke. They do. <laughs> okay, so um, so
2: let's just. I just kind of want to get to some of the. So, you, you you lived in Gaza. You lived there for a few years, and and what you were telling yeah. me was that uh, you were actually criticized uh, there as a little kid because you were an American, right? Totally, totally.
4: They're, they would look at me, my my peers, and their parents. I'm 11 years old. And they're like, you're the reason that we're suffering in the Palestinian territories. You're, You're American taxpayers and your family. All of you pay taxes back in America. And you're the ones funding this. I'm like, I'm 11 years old. So automatically, I realized that there was a bias coming from the Palestinian narrative. I knew it because I was on the receiving end of the hatred. Towards America As an 11 year old kid I had no stake In the game Right So I realized There was at least Two sides to every story And that's when I began to open up And think For myself Uh, So But then you moved Back to the United States Exactly And what what, what year was this Two or three years 2001 in August, so I was leaving a war zone, hoping to never see it again. And I I have so much admiration for our men and women who choose to see war. I I didn't choose it. It just happened because my parents sent me there. And then we come back, leaving war behind us, and then 9-11 happened literally the next month. And Osama bin Laden buried my American dream of living a normal American life in East County beneath the rubble of two towers. Because here I was, an American in every single way, born here, raised here, of here, uh, Latino, Arab American roots. And because my name is Amar Kanbanajar, Middle Eastern, a lot of people looked at me understandably with suspicion. Like I was, one of them, one of those people from those foreign lands. I was just trying to be a kid growing up, get a good education. So it was tough. So he so, never had resentment. So
2: here you were. In, you always know two sides of every story. Here you were in Gaza growing up. You had a bunch of the mm-hmm. you know local kids picking on you and calling you names because you were an American. You, you get back mm-hmm. to America. You think to yourself, all right, finally. And then uh, right. you, you move here. What a month, two months before nine eleven, uh-huh. and then people criticize you because for your Middle Eastern.
4: Uh, uh, Heritage. Right. And you know, like, you're right back in the same situation. Right. And so keep in mind, you know, I didn't choose any of those things. I didn't choose to be half Latino or half Arab American. I didn't choose to live in the war zone. I certainly didn't choose to come back to my home country in America, lovely San Diego, and then have bin Laden do what he did. I didn't choose any of those things. But I'm reminded of the saying that freedom is what you do with what's been done to you. And like I said, I had this big hole in my heart, and I just felt so lost, so abandoned, so just unwelcomed anywhere. Um, And lo and behold, the thing that brought me back, the thing that made me feel kind of whole again was my faith. I I started working as a janitor at my local church at the age of 15, Eastlake Community Church. Um, And then I became a, a youth minister and gave sermons, and I felt really whole. I feel like if it weren't for... You know, God does things in a way that none of us can comprehend. Like, why would God, you know, make me the son of a single working class mom? That actually, that narrative, that experience feeds me today, because now I could empathize with the struggle of the working class in my my district. Why did he make me half Latino and half Arab and 100% American? Well, the district's 35% Latino. And it's 15% Middle Eastern, those Chaldeans that work in those liquor stores. All of us know who they are, great people. The district's half me ethnically. And then, why do you put me through a war zone? And, And it's in those broken places of having seen war at the age of 11, having PTSD from it. It's in those broken places where I share a bond, an unearned bond. I did not go out there and fight wars like our veterans, but I know the trauma of war. And I think God gave me all that pain for a purpose. And he gave me that that hole, that void of a father so I could come to know my heavenly father. And if it weren't for those things, I would not be the man I am today. And I think that all those struggles make me who I am.
2: And that's a fascinating story. I was fascinated when you and I were talking about it. There's one more piece, though. There's one more thing Mm -hmm. that was done to you that you had no choice, but still, uh, you know, became a part of who you are and and that sort of thing. And and when you got older, I'm not sure exactly what age, but at Mm -hmm. one point you learned about your father's father, your grandfather and your father's side. What happened? And tell us what it was like.
4: Yeah, so, so my grandfather on my father's side died 16 years before I was born. So I knew him as much as you do, right? He died before I was born. There's just no, I have no personal encounters with him. And I heard a lot of different things about him. I heard he was a public school teacher. I heard he was a public servant in his government. And then I heard he was a terrorist. Who was involved in the tragic Munich massacre that killed 11 Israeli Olympians? And then I said, I condemn that. Anything like that, I condemn. I condemn terrorism. It robbed me of my youth because of Osama Bin Laden when I was here in San Diego. I, I detest terrorism. And um, then I met this Israeli reporter, Israeli, not Palestinian, Israeli, who said, You know, the claims about your grandfather are disputed. I'm like, You know, I want to I want to seal this off from my life because it's not part of who I am, but I do condemn the Munich massacre. What I do know about my grandfather is secondhand accounts. I'm a historian in terms of my relationship with him. I don't know him personally, but I unequivocally condemn those acts. And again, it was hard being called by my own congressman, uh, Duncan Hunter, being called a terrorist when I'm an American. I was born in this country. The freedoms he fought as a Marine to defend include mine. But it's a complicated region. I have no malice towards him or those who don't understand. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to explain. And one of the things that always gave me solace was I know I could overcome this. I did not choose to be Middle Eastern or American or Mexican, any of that. But I consider myself blessed for being able to overcome these challenges through God. You know, Jesus, in my faith, overcame the grave. I could overcome this so So, let me let me just
2: recap and then what we're going to do is we're going to go to a commercial break and then we're going to have you back on for another segment where we're going to really talk about your second amendment views and your views on on uh, public policy when it comes to gun ownership but just to recap so you're 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 a little kid you're growing up with a single mom mexican-american she's working hard you move to gaza uh where your dad is uh you spend uh your younger years there uh and uh and then come back to america and at some point, a lot your late teens or early twenties, find out that your grandfather is an accused terrorist who is right. in one of the who you know was one of the worst uh, acts of terrorism that the world's known. And uh, you know, here you are trying to make it through life, trying to be a good kid, trying to be a good Catholic, and decide to go into public service and and uh, you know help uh, you know build the country. Let's break there and go to Sorry, commercial. I'm back Okay, okay, so let's break there and come back from commercial and then we'll talk about your views on the second amendment.
1: Go have a cigar. <laughs> but <laughs> right here on FM 96.1 AM 1170 The Answer. folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Sports Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. All righty here, if I get my act together. Hey What's folks, the, the, have the, you been to A.O. Sword Firearms in El Cajon yet? Well, you've got to take a run over there. you got the widest selection of guns in San Diego County with over 600 unique guns in stock, including hundreds of used guns. Go see their full-service, experienced gunsmith. They can do everything from mild repairs to full custom firearms. A.O. Sword Firearms Store, located 929 East Main Street in the city of El Cajon. Go to their website at aosword.com. or give them a call at 619-749-4867. Build, by or repair. A.O. Sword Firearms is your go-to place. For all things firearms, that's AOSWARD.com or call them at 619-749-4867. Hey, by the way, this segment is sponsored by our attorney, John Dillon. If you have any legal issues that involves anything gun-related, call attorney John Dillon. Red flag laws, gun restriction, gun transportation and storage. Give John a call at 760 431 9501-760431-9501. all three one nine five zero one. All right, Michael, you want to introduce? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Guest? John, by the way, John Dillon's going to be on in a couple segments to talk more about the uh, lawsuit that just happened. Okay, but good. Right now, we're talking ab- uh, to Omar Campanajara. Oh, sorry, Campanajara. Say your name for me, Omar. It's like camping in the jar, camp in the jar, Campanajara. Okay, excellent. <laughs> That's good. Cool. Um, And you were giving us your background story, which I find fascinating. And I really enjoyed, uh, you know, listening to it live. And I wanted people to hear it on the radio show. And, you know, wherever you decide to vote, whoever you decide to vote for, I I think it should be based on fact. And I think there's been a lot of misinformation on your background. I'm really glad you came to talk about it. But now let's talk about policy. Let's talk about your views on the Second Amendment. Um, can
4: I, can I um, just give a quick sure. timeline of the bio? Because I know I got cut off a little bit. Go for it. Is that okay? Yes. Yeah. So I, was, so I was born in East County at night, not last night. I'm 31 years old. I'm pretty young, but I wouldn't be the youngest guy to be in Congress uh, in the history of our country. Um, and my dad left when I was six. And then at the age of nine, my mom wanted me to get to know my dad. I was there for three years in Gaza, crazy experience, came back home. Uh, went to middle school here, went to high school here, went to Grossmont College, Community College, Southwestern College, SDSU, studied psychology and political science, and then got to work at the White House, the Department of Labor, opened up my own small business and decided to run for Congress. And uh, here we are now. I live in Humboldt. I've been living there for about eight years. So there's a small moment in my life where I did live abroad abroad. Um, but most of my life has been here. And uh, I consider myself 100% committed to to this country. And like I said earlier, freedom is what you do with what's been done to you. I didn't choose the certain parts of my family's history. But I think this country is all about people having the individual liberty to pursue their own freedom, and not hindered by heritage or by anything, whether that's government that's tyrannical, or a past that's not your own. And that freedom, I think, segues right into my you know, second amendment views that flows right through my own lived experience of freedom.
2: So, what are, so let's just start in general. What are your views generally on the second amendment and gun ownership?
4: Look, this is a nation where we have the first amendment and in case the government doesn't respect it, we have the second amendment right behind it for a reason. And we're not Australia, we're not Britain, we're not other countries where people want to crack down on people's rights to own and bear arms. We're never going to be another country. This is the United States of America, and I think it's it's foundational to our essence as a nation. So I believe in sane, trained, law-abiding gun ownership. Um, I believe that. um, That sounds familiar. I don't think. Yeah, I learned it from a great guy, and I don't (laughs) think that banning prevents. If if you look back at the history of our country, the the ban on alcohol, how'd that work out? It forced illegal activity, bootlegging sales went up, not down, violence went up and not down. People who are law-abiding won't have the ability to access things legally, but the people who want to be criminals, they could purchase things illegally to the black market. So I don't believe in banning uh, so-called assault weapons. First of all, that's a term that was coined by liberals who know nothing about guns, I have to say. And secondly, when you ask people what they mean by an assault weapon, they think it's like these big, heavy machine guns but pistol could be an assault weapon by the the definition that they've created so I don't believe that we should have an assault weapons ban I just don't think it would work and it would just give criminals an advantage over the rest of us law abiding people and that's where I break ranks with my own party
2: and that now that's a specific policy stance where you say, nope, no assault, no so-called assault weapons laws. You, mm-hmm. you, so you totally disagree with the assault weapons law that's on the books in California mm-hmm. and you totally agree, disagree with the assault weapons law that uh, was uh, that we had nationally in the 90s and you disagree with proposals to reinstate an assault weapons ban. That's all accurate, correct?
4: Yeah, I, I, exactly. And people say, well, back in the 90s, it worked. First of all, no, it didn't. Second of all. Only 30% of people had access to the internet. Today it's 99%. So, what happened in the 90s wouldn't work today because people could purchase any kind of gun illegally online if they wanted to through the black market. And so, why not keep this above board, make sure that it's legal, um, and not have it be in the black market? I don't want people purchasing guns from someone who's not registered because I don't know what kind of ideology they're going to sell with that, right? I'd rather have somebody who's a business owner with a legitimate enterprise trying to sell guns. Um, And that's where I've gotten... I have a Smith & Wesson 9mm and a Mossberg five hundred twelve gauge. And I I live in Hamul. So, you know, first responders might take a while to get to my house or there might be coyotes trying to eat my corgi. And I got to take care of business myself. So I think some people just don't understand the culture of gun ownership. And I think if we gave it its due respect like we do with cars Uh, i think young people would have more respect and be able to to handle um handguns and, and any kind of gun in a way that would be safer for us and and that's where my position is and for me it flows out of this notion of freedom it's it's our individual liberty to to bear arms um obviously within reason no one's saying go buy a bazooka um but just because a gun looks a certain way and it's not even it's not any more harmful than another type of gun, that's just arbitrary and, um, and infringement on our freedoms.
3: Okay. So, Amar, this is Joe. I had a, a question back on the point you just made a few minutes ago um, about uh, you were saying that people should only be buying guns from from federally registered or registered sellers from stores and things. Um, in a lot of places, probably in most places, um, in free America anyway, um, people mm-hmm. can sell guns. Uh, firearms if i wanted to sell a gun to michael i've had it for a while i said eh, i don't want this anymore michael's interested in it um i can't do that in california but in many states you can do that and um what you're saying is you would you would want everything to go through a registered firearms
4: no no that's what, i think it just needs to be kind of there has to be you know accountability transparency out in the open there has to be a paper trail of what's going on like one of my guns one of them was my aunt's, and she re-registered under my name and we went to a local gun shop and we got it done, you know, above board. So th- that's what I'm referring to.
3: Well, and that's what I'm saying. And that's and that's how it is in California. But there are many states in the country where it's not that way. If you have a gun and you want to sell it to a friend of yours or something like that, you're free to sell the gun. And um, you don't really you don't need to go through an FFL like we do out here. Right. And are you saying so, you would you, so would, maybe it, you would support something maybe it, federal like that?
4: I mean, for me personally, it didn't seem to be too cumbersome. But if you want to walk me through, I've never purchased a gun in another state. Do you feel like it's a huge infringement? Because I I don't, it didn't seem like it was too burdensome on me, but I'm not married to the idea of, of doing it one way or the other. So maybe you guys could educate me on what, um, you know, why it's it's kind of a, a hindrance to, to folks. So it was pretty quick for me and my my aunt. But I don't know, maybe it could be simpler and easier. I've just never experienced it differently. So, um, I think states should decide on how they want to do it. To be honest, well, currently it's, it it's, federal, it's so it's yeah.
2: never legal anywhere in any of the fifty states to ever sell a gun to someone who is prohibited, legally prohibited from right. owning. What Joe's saying is that if one, you know, one non-prohibited person wants to sell a gun to another non-prohibited person. In something like forty five or forty six other states, it's just a cash mm-hmm. and carry purchase. Okay, here's the cash, here's the gun. We're both, uh, you know, not law abiding. It's just in a few states like California where you have to go through a background check, you have to go through a ten day wait period, you have to uh-huh. go use an FFL to do that transaction. So I guess what he was saying mean- is it, it could it it sounded very close to what you were saying sounded like you were saying, hey, we need to have universal background checks in all 50 states like we do in California. Was that is that do you, something you agree with, or what are your thoughts?
4: Oh, universal background checks, yeah, I think we should be able to, to do that. I mean, we don't want the terrorists on the no-fly list to get access to a weapon. Um, but when you're transferring from one person to another, as long as you have a way to trace that it's not getting into the wrong hands. If it's two law-abiding people and there's a way to make sure that's happening, I'm totally fine with that. And it is a little, you know, thinking about my own experience when I got my aunt's gun re-registered in my name, it was cumbersome because I had that 10-day wait period, but then you couldn't exceed a couple weeks. Otherwise, you have to go through it again. And I was in the middle of campaigning last cycle. Um, and I didn't get a chance to go to the gun shop to get the gun, so I had to go through the test again and pay that fee again, and it was a pain in the ass. It really
2: was. So, would you agree? Um, would you would you support getting rid of? There isn't one on the national level. You're running for Congress, but would you agree with with uh, if California decided to get rid of their 10 day wait period?
4: So, so you asked about background checks and the 10 day wait period. I think the 10 day wait period for most people. Look, I, I think the reason we have the 10-day wait period is whether well, there's somebody who's angry and they need the cool-off period. Um, it's a pain in the ass to have to wait 10 days, um, but I don't think I don't think it's too cumbersome. I mean, you guys can may maybe persuade me otherwise, but I don't think it's too much of an infringement or an see, inconvenience. In the end, I got the gun.
3: But C.M.R. See, and that's one of the things because that that's a standard argument that that people you know, in California that they use for a waiting period. That situation mm. where somebody's angry and they go buy a gun to go shoot somebody almost never happened. I won't say never because there's, you know, 40 million people here, or 320 right. million people in the country. It may have happened somewhere, but that that would be extremely rare. And the other way, place where that argument falls apart is if I mm. already own a dozen guns, I still have to go through a 10 day wait period. So yeah. if I wanted to harm somebody with a gun, I would harm somebody with a gun that I had. I wouldn't go buy a new one to, to go do that.
4: That's a very fair point. I guess uh, what would be the, the the counterweight to that? Why would you need the gun sooner than ten days? Well,
2: COVID nineteen. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, these well, about, are great. Yeah, like fifty, sixty thousand San Diegans went and bought a gun for the first time ever because they were afraid for their own safety because of COVID
4: you nineteen, know, and, and now they got to wait ten days. Say, you know, during these circumstances, I mean, let's agree, COVID nineteen is more rare than. Uh, somebody going crazy within ten days, right? D- just like your argument of the rarity of it, you can't base legislation on the rare instances. But in this moment, I would agree on lifting that ten-day um, waiting period for this moment. I do a hundred percent agree with that. Well, let's let, let, one more question because we got like two minutes here, right? Until we got a
2: break here. But w- I wanted to talk another hot button, important policy uh, issue would be CCWs. So that's you know a, a mm-hmm. someone that goes through the background check, gets the training. Uh, and uh, you know, do you agree that generally people should be able to get a uh, CCW if they want to be able to? That's a carry concealed weapon permit uh, if they want to uh, be able
4: to. A hundred percent. Me myself, I talked to Sheriff Gore and he's uh, approved me to go through the process of getting CCW myself. So I hundred percent agree that if you're, you know, again, sane, trained, law-abiding citizen, you should be able to get a CCW to protect yourself.
2: And what about that? This is one thing you will have to uh, probably run into as a as a congressman. Uh, if I have a CCW in one state, should it work mm-hmm. like a driver's license and I should be able to, yep. uh, it should be honored in all 50 states? Or what are your thoughts on that?
4: I think 100%, just like a driver's license. If you went to the training and you qualify to handle a firearm and carry it in a concealed fashion, it should work in any state.
1: All right. Since I haven't said anything and I'm kind of the
2: host. <laughs> Go for it, dude.
1: What do you think about uh, having a voter ID to
4: be able to vote? Uh, you know, I mean, look, so when I went to the registrar of voters, me and Duncan Hunter, we went, me and his family, when the election was over last in uh, 2018, we wanted to see how thorough this was and how um, precise the, the voting process is. If there's anybody who's illegally voting. And me and Hunter's family, we would go every day at 5 p.m. after culling through the ones that we thought were suspicious, signatures weren't accurate, or addresses were gone, or names were changed, or things that may have looked forged. Um, and then the director went through every single one and showed us how how strong and foolproof, at least in San Diego, voting is. Um, so, look, I think for me it's about making sure people who are citizens are able to vote and that we make it easier for citizens to vote, but I don't think that we should do anything that makes it easier for people who are not citizens to rig an election by voting illegally. Um, so, you know, that's kind of my stance, but I think it's something that I have to look more into to figure out right. if, if the, the ID thing, if that makes it harder for people who don't have money are low income Americans from being able to vote, you would think it's cheap. People should be able to do it. Um, but I understand the concern on both sides and, I'm open to kind of hearing both sides out, which I think is refreshing to your viewers because a lot of people are just die in the wool. I see the world one way. I'm not open to differences. And I think that might have been my upbringing that made me think outside the box, not think like, you know, just be down the road thinking about the exact, the same way that everybody from my party or the other party or, you know, I'm open-minded, not vacant-minded, but open-minded. And I think that's why Michael wanted me on. And I hope people will have an open mind about the fact that, I'm running for, a Congress, for Congress in a district that I was born in. I've been running here for three years for a two-year term. I'm not an average Democrat. I'm a pro-gun, pro-Second America, Second Amendment. I don't want to open up the border. I don't want to rack up the deficit. So, you know, I'm an open-minded guy. I hope you'll be open-minded and think about it and pray about it because I think um, we're on the right side of this uh, this campaign when it comes to me and my opponent, Darrell Issa. Well, excellent. Well, uh,
2: thank you very much. I really appreciate it, Amar. A, 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 excellent interview. Thanks yep. for coming on. Uh, very best of luck to you, and uh, thanks for uh, for stepping up and, and running.
4: Hey. And by- hey and by- we'll see you uh, at Calibre sometime soon. There, you, there go. you go. And you and I
1: own the same guns. So just so you'll know. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're both my there favorites. All right, buddy. Take there care. You Thank you, sir. For- I just had to say that. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Gun Sports Radio on FM 96. one AM
2: 1170. The answer. The answer. We should add a segment where we review breakfast places. Yeah, we were doing that off air. A lot of experience here in the room, folks. Take a run over to El Cajon to Izzy's.
1: <laughs> it's just an awesome place. You can call them. Where's it located? It's right there on the between Second and kind of First Street. right there in the middle. There's Bonnie's. They're closed, and Izzy's. They got the most. They got the most awesome barbecue.
0: They have a tri-tip club sandwich. Nice. It'll make your mouth just go gaga. It Uh, just did. We were also talking about uh, the foodery at 9th and Market. Yeah. So amazing takeout food, Italian uh, sandwiches uh, over the top. So last night, uh, Eileen, what the heck did she pick up? It was a shrimp scampi (laughs) and um, spaghetti and meatballs, some basic stuff, uh, mashed potatoes. Uh, all kinds of stuff, yeah. Mashed potatoes. Yeah, because she also made a, a Eileen made a, um, a meatloaf on the barbecue. By the way, the this is Chef Eileen, folks, just so you She's guys gotta know. She's got to do a segment. She's got to do her own segment. Hey, let me know. I've got a, I've got wow. a Monday. I'll let her come in, and we'll do do cooking. Madison and I walked five miles yesterday to the Presidio trying to walk it off. <laughs> and your lovely wife wow. is as thin as a model. Yeah, I don't know how she does it. <laughs> she doesn't eat. All
1: right. Hey, folks, let me see if I get this right. All right, John, that one. You got me all. all Dave, what's the best defense for self-defense? Well, you know, I think it's uh, against those red flag laws. That would be firearms legal protection. Mike Lance, Joe, and I use them. Firearms legal protection is a legal defense program for lawful gun owners with a 24-7 emergency hotline and plans designed specifically for the firearms owner talk to the good folks at firearms legal protection today that's firearms legal protection at firearms legal.com or you can call 469-310-9100 469-310-9100 firearmslegalcom gun owners be ready for the lawyer in your corner this segment is brought to you by the gun range san diego 7853 balboa avenue 10 to 10 seven days a week Go to TheGunRangeSanDiego.com, TheGunRangeSanDiego.com, and that place is rocking. But I don't
0: think we have Jason on the line, do we? Well, it's busier than we thought. It must be. Um, well, speaking of uh, Gun Range San Diego, uh, Veronica, uh, Veronica, she uh, gave my daughter Madison these uh, bitters to make um, yeah. old fashions sure. and stuff like that, and, and they were firing those things up last night.
2: Is that why weird. your hair looks the way it oh does? Oh my gosh! Yeah. This is this is like the most Wisconsin gun show, I isn't think. it? The We're, truth. I mean, an old fa- You're making a brandy old fashioned. That's awesome. Old fashioned. Oh, isn't it Big Al that does the smoke old fashioned? Yeah, Did that's yeah, that?
0: that's Big Al. Al's big on his uh on old his old fashions. fashions and his his outdoor pool and
3: I got to get invited over there out. one of these nights for one of those old fashions because it looked really good. So smoke Mad- or not,
0: Madison's sitting there making these old fashions, and then um I had a big creative limes so i'm drinking a beer and a in a margarita and making the end and then running these limes through a automatic oh, juicer? grinder juicer thing just producing all this lime juice for this these amazing tequila feast oh, incredible. awesome oh. they go down good <laughs> only on the weekend so stay away from them during the week none of that
1: Okay, Jason decided to call in after all because he heard us talking about booze. Yeah. And he was getting bummed because he was being left out.
5: Oh, geez. How did you know? See, We
0: know how you are. <laughs> we can hear the whimpering in the background. So we saw you got a we big uh, you got a big shipping of those CZs in, right?
5: We did. We sure did. We got CZ 75Bs, 75B nice. PCR Compact, and a bunch of Rammys, one of my favorite compact pistols.
1: Yeah, every time I see it, I share it just so it'll keep you busy.
5: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, those are those are fantastic pistols. In my opinion, the CZs tend to be the best pistols for the money. You know, regarding performance, reliability, it's actually the most reliable pistol series on the planet.
1: Really, more so than a
5: Glock. Yeah, they are. I know you... even more than a Glock. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. By the numbers, a oh. uh, Glock, Glock is actually the most durable pistol in the world, and that's a fact. The most reliable pistols in the world are CZ's. Fifteen thousand rounds, fifteen thousand rounds, and out of one gun, only seven minor malfunctions. And that's a test by uh, by NATO's by NATO's own uh, forces. It's 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 by the numbers the most reliable pistol on the world in the world.
0: And so, can someone give a, one of those a try before they buy just, it? Before they buy it, they just go. We do.
5: Yeah. What we, kind of money are we, we talking? Yeah, you can. You know, CZs are very reasonably priced. They're always in the six dollars to $700 range. A lot of competition users, most of the competition users I know, uh, shooters I know, use a CZ 75 platform pistol, usually an SPO one or one of the compacts.
3: Do you have that, Joe? Yeah, very.
5: So you're very, a competitive shooter.
3: No, he must be talking about the good competitive shooters, but uh, oh, no, I, I see. I, Amateur, well, yeah, um, oh, amateurs and professionals alike. Yeah, because because uh, we shoot every week, and I, I see you do see a lot of uh, CZs, just like he's talking about. You also see a lot of Glocks. Oh, you don't have a CZ? Things. No, I shoot a Glock. Well, He shoots his Glock 34, the old horse. Only because I dislodge. I, I mean, barrel. that's what I learned on, so that's what I stay with. But but again, I've got over hey, twenty thousand rounds through mine, and it, it works fine, so I'm real happy with it.
5: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Glocks are also super, super reliable. They're great guns. Typically, people are one or the other.
1: They're either a Ford guy or a Chevy guy. <laughs>
0: kinda. I mean, really, I'm, really, I'm guy kind of like a there. toolbox yeah. guy. I, mean, <laughs> I just, I, I get the right tool for the right job. Right. So exactly. I don't really yeah. fall into that Ford or Chevy conversation. Right. 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 Uh, well, it's, you don't even yeah. do that in cars. No.
1: They're yeah, like a tool. I really it's like shoes.
5: That. Yeah. I really prefer the Supras instead of the, you know, Ford Chevy. I nice. like the Mark II, Mark III Supra myself. I like oh. that. I like that '80s, early '90s look. I mean, you should awesome. come over
1: to my house. I have an '82 Supra L in the garage. Oh, shut up! Terracotta, have, uh,
0: terracotta. Yeah, that's the quintessential oh '80s gosh. terracotta.
2: Original in- you. Can you drift it, Jason? Uh, that's... Don't I, 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 I yeah, promise he you
5: I could, yes, he could. I promise <laughs> you I could free, <laughs> My death I can do anything with that car
1: <laughs> <laughs> listen to you <laughs> Alright well hey buddy Get back to work or are you home
5: Yes sir no I'm at work
0: He's at work yeah, I
1: don't hear any popping Gun range in the background Alright folks hey don't forget to check him out Gun Range San Diego Go check him out right there on Balboa 7863 Balboa Avenue, seven days a week, 10 to 10. Go to thegunrangeSandiego.com, find out what's going on, and you'll be the happiest clown in town. Right here on FM 961, AM 1170, The Answer.